0: Welcome everybody to Inspiration and Adaptation, a weekly dialogue exploring how Alaska artists are innovating and adapting in times of planetary stress, social unrest and pandemic. I'm Asia Freeman, Artistic Director of Binell Street Art Center. Binell is situated within the lands of Nichiltana, Nindilchik village tribe, whose descendants trace their roots from the ancient Ketchumak peoples and the Dena'ina and Supiak people of this region who have sustained these lands since time immemorial. Benel is committed to resisting colonialism by partnering with Indigenous artists and supporting Indigenous-led practices. So what does it mean to create new music with respect for Indigenous cultures, peoples, land, stories, and experiences? I'm here today with found, found nations, Christopher Marinetti and Joe Bergen of Mantra Percussion as well as Katie Cox and Andy Tanning from Wild Shore New Music. I want to welcome you all and to our many guests joining us across this land called the United States today. Let's begin with some self introductions of our featured guests. I'm going to invite Katie and Andy to begin. Benelle has been so pleased to support your work as Alaska raised musicians living in New York for the long term. Um, and then invite Chris and Joe to um, introduce themselves. Katie, would you start by orienting us briefly to the history and mission of Wild Shore? And then Andy, perhaps you could follow up with an orientation to how Wild Shore became connected to Found Sound Nation, and then we'll move into, you know, our, our additional project partners here. Thank you so much. Welcome. Absolutely.
1: Thank you, Asia, and thanks for having us. And it's nice to see so many familiar, Faces and names uh, um, here today. Um, yeah, so Wild Shore, you know, we've, we, we we came up with the idea. I, I, it's been about 10 years ago, which is just blows my mind. Um, uh, Andy and I were, you know, just found ourselves, I think, at this time in our lives where we really wanted to kind of come back to our roots and come back to Alaska. And we started this project with Conrad Winslow, um, composer who's originally from Homer. And um, at the time we started just meeting actually virtually <laughs> in Los Angeles at the time um, and and made connections with uh, Asia Freeman at Benel, and wanted to, we were just really hungry to come back and share our music that we had been making for the last um, you know, several years of being once we left Alaska to come back and share contemporary chamber music that we were really excited to play. And we've now had about seven seasons um, in, in Homer. And we've also played concerts in Kenai and Talkeetna and Anchorage. And we've had a couple other side projects we've done in Washington, D.C. and New York. So um, that's kind of the the history of Wildshore um, for the last 10 years.
0: Wonderful, and thank you, Katie. Andy, tell us a little bit about how um, Wild Shore became connected to this incredible, um, big, and long-term project with Found Sound Nation and Youth Mantra Percussion.
2: Sure. Um, yeah. So, I guess a few. Yeah, a few years before Wild Shore started. Um, I had moved to New York City and attended graduate school in violin performance. And I was looking for, I don't know, something different to do with the violin other than um, classical music. Um, And through kind of exploring different uh, musical worlds, I fell into this community uh, kind of started by Bang on a Can, which is a composers collective that has been around since the 70s. They, um, it's Michael Gordon, Julia Wolfe, and David Lang. And they are incredible composers. They started their own ensemble that they write for, the Bang Out of Can All-Stars. And over the last 40 years, I would say 30, 40 years, have just been such a force in the creation of new music and also in the support and fostering of contemporary musicians and young people getting into this field. They run a summer institute called the Bang on a Can Summer Institute. Um, and I was lucky enough to get to participate in that in 2007 and 8, And then I interned in 2009. couldn't get enough. Um, and through entering this community, um, that's how I met both Chris Marietti and Joe Bergen many, many, many years ago, just through having worked with Bang on a can and their various collaborators as well joe and i um very quickly after i had been to bang on a can he'd already been um we started an ensemble together transit new music um i got to perform one of chris's pieces in one of our earlier concerts he'd written for an incredible violinist olivia de prado part of the mevos quartet who we presented at the anchorage um museum just a few years ago um and I think that's when I first started, first met Chris, too. So it's you know it's one of those things that's been so long. I hardly remember the day I met these guys. But anyway, um, I think it was actually at the Bang & I Can holiday party that Katie and Chris and I got to talking. And by that point, Chris had started this unbelievable organization, Found Sound Nation, which I highly, highly recommend everyone go check out. They have been doing just extraordinary work around the globe. Um, so Chris already being... Uh, a self-starter, go-getter, like globally globally thinking type person was, yeah, what about Alaska? We're like, yeah, what about it? And so we just started, we just had like one or two meetings just starting to brainstorm. And then this uh, National Park Service grant kind of came into our vision, our field of vision, the Beringia Shared Heritage Fund, I believe, or foundation. And um, yeah, the rest was history. So we knew we wanted to, um, you know, focus our work in Alaska with Alaskan artists and indigenous Alaskans as well. But in addition to that, um, kind of following suit with our mission to also um, work with or bring together some artists from New York and Joe, not only uh, in addition to running his own fabulous percussion ensemble, Mantra, um, he's an incredible educator and has started a youth ensemble, Mantra Youth Percussion, Um, and we just thought, well, that would just be so perfect. And so we looped Joe in, um, last year, I'd say. Yeah. And we've just been meeting ever since. I mean, there's a lot more to talk about, so I'll, I'll wrap it up there. (laughs) I could go on and on about how the last year or two has played out, but, um, long story short, that's how it happened. Thank you so much, Andy. And, um, so let's, Let's
0: just kind of start to understand um, this project through its layers. Let's shift to Chris, if you will. And Chris, tell us um, about um, Found Sound Nation and your interest in the, in this project and a little bit about the scope of it, if you will.
3: Um, so I think, what did you say, Andy? You said about 10 years ago, you guys started Wildtry? I think it was about the same for us. Although the seeds of what we were doing kind of had begun before that, um, I I just, I found myself in the new music composition world. I was always, I'm a piano player, just um, an improviser. And um, my family was originally from Italy. So I went back to graduate school, school there. And I think it was there where I really felt the loneliest as a composer, I guess. <laughs> and just what a sort of kind of solipsistic world that can be and a very, um, a very insular and very, I mean, amazing community, but just very focused on itself. And so I felt like when I moved to New York, I felt like I I still wanted to involve that part of my brain and that part of my artistry, but to do something that affected, you know, a lot more people or people outside of that community. And I started a project in a school. It was, they didn't even have a school at that point they had like an abandoned building because they were promised a school and they didn't have one in and this was a place in the bronx and i started a program there for a couple of years and it was really beautiful project and several of those kids were are still working with us on our staff now um and that sort of became what is found sound nation and i i often describe it as the, almost like a it's a collective but it's also a production company in a sense and i would say you know what we've been doing is producing not just media or films, but producing experiences for people and producing opportunities for folks to connect with uh, their inner musicians or connect with their music maker inside of themselves. And sometimes those opportunities are really short. um, And sometimes those opportunities are longer like this Beringia project, but that's essentially what we've been doing for the last 10 years. We've been running a music festival called One Beat with the Educational Cultural Affairs Department, which has been incredible and has allowed us to expand our team and our programming and work with artists at this point, I think from about 70 countries. Um, and yeah, and so that's Found Sound Nation. The other question was about Beringia, this Beringia project. Um, we're still at the very, like we're still researching and developing this. And I'm also, I also wish some of our native Alaskan partners were with us today. There's Yari Walker, especially who we've been working with. She is from um, she's from Savunga, uh, St. Lawrence Island, originally now living in Anchorage. Um, she's incredible and she's been a strong force in this project. But our idea is essentially to communicate the incredible place that is Beringia and the uniqueness of this region through science, through music, and through storytelling and we're imagining now that the end result will be a film that also has a live score component. So it's a film that's performed with a live orchestra, chamber orchestra, uh, ensemble. And then there's a bunch of other kind of things that we're thinking to make along in the next couple of years. One of them that we've been talking to Yari lately about is a children's book about some of the stories from the region and from the other side of Beringia as well, the Russian side.
0: Wonderful. So thank you so much for that um, background, Chris. And, <laughs> and I know it's, it's probably huge probably and, and that's <laughs> super exciting. And I know that, I mean, this project is supported by the National Park Service and it's, um, it's big. And we'll explore that a little bit more deeply, but let's step over to Joe and um, talk a little bit about um, mantra percussion and youth mantra and the role that your organization has in this work.
4: Thanks, Asia. It's so great to be here. Um, You know, first off, I'd, I'd like to say that it's, really amazing um to be working with andy chris and katie um on this project especially after having um so many different you know chris was talking about found sound and and having all these experiential pieces and i feel like uh so many of my the most worthwhile musical experiences i've had in the last 12 14 years of uh, playing um contemporary music and Playing in, in New York um, has been with uh, Chris, Andy, and Katie. It's been it's been really cool. So um, joining forces together for this um, is uh, it's it's. I I know we're at the the very start of this, but um, you know I can't I can't wait to see what happens. Um, but but talking about Mantra, um, so Mantra is prime is it's a multifaceted faceted organization. Um, it's mostly known. Um, I, I think maybe to most new music circles and contemporary music circles as being a percussion sextet, um, we most uh, we focus primarily on projects and music that deal with uh, singular works or experiences. So you come to a concert, you experience one single work by one composer. Um, uh, Maybe maybe our best example of that is performing a piece by Michael Gordon, uh, one of the Bang on a Can uh, composers, um, who wrote a, uh, an hour-long piece for amplified two-by-fours. Um, I'm sure maybe uh, some people listening into this who are like, "What would that sound like?" Um, I'll be sure to send a link to that. Um, but the, that's maybe one of the pieces that we're most well known for playing. We've played it like probably close to hundred times by now. It's a, we've been doing it for about ten years. Um, But about seven years ago, um, we had the idea of, um, you you know, we, we, throughout some of our tours, we had, um, we had had a lot of fun working, uh, you know, at colleges, uh, doing like uh, composer readings and things like that. And it was great, like interacting, um, you know, with students, we also did stuff at high schools, Uh, what we really wanted to do, and what was really interesting to, to me, especially was, the idea of um taking sort of like this professional experience and um and devoting time and energy to developing like a single community and um from that idea came the idea of having mantra youth percussion um mantra youth is a tuition-free youth ensemble i consider it sort of the the teenage version of mantra we play some of the same pieces um, but they also are starting to have their sort of own identity um for one thing um, we, we have had mantra youth in residence in two different um, uh, urban uh, cities in New Jersey. Um, for four years, it was in Rahway, New Jersey, where I worked as a part-time teacher. Um, and starting next year, it's going to be um, in Newark, in the Newark public school system in Newark, New Jersey. Um, the, uh, we primar- we've also sort of refocused the identity uh, from the start of the group where it had a lot to do with things that mantra was doing. Now it really has its own identity. Um, they, they primarily focus on um, music by black, brown, indig- indigenous and people of color composers, uh, women identifying composers and LGBTQIA uh, composers. Um, and you you know I, th- I think throughout all of this, um, what was most exciting um, for, for me in being in this project, was uh, to sort of like my role to help facilitate a platform for Mantra Youth Percussion um, to participate in this project in in some meaningful way, and and I think from that um, like uh, sort of all these all these different uh, all these different projects that Mantra Youth and Mantra were working on, um, it kind of all came t- came together in this last year. There were four um, really amazing um, percussionists from Mantra Youth Percussion who had just graduated high school and they wanted to keep uh, performing. Um, so so they actually started a group coming out of Mantra Youth Percussion. Um, they actually have uh, the their own name now. I don't even know if I mentioned this uh, to the team yet, but um, coming out of Mantra Youth Percussion, their new group is called Recap. Um, they're still so, sort of under the Mantra Percussion umbrella, but um, I guess sort of the groundbreaking thing about this group is um, You know it's it's sort of one of the only examples that I can think of in contemporary chamber music um, where it's a group consisting of childhood friends that. Uh, wanted to to um that sort of like came into their own playing contemporary classical music so they're playing this very intense music without having any type of like conservatory or university training which is um you know I, I mean I, I know for myself and Katie and Chris and Andy we all sort of came from that background um, you know coming to new music through the college conservatory training these are students that, you know, some of the miles teaching since like sixth and seventh grade, uh, coming into their own, um, wanting to do this, and and also doing it at a super high level, um, uh, something that that I, I think I think maybe you wouldn't sort of like expect to see, um, and you know I think uh, yeah yeah it, it's sort of something that's sort of really exciting uh, to me about about seeing like the next generation of musicians. Um, you know, being able to do uh, things at that level and also being able to do uh, interesting projects like this. Um, so something that deals with more than just playing music, like interacting with musicians um, that come from different backgrounds, um, sort of giving a platform also for indigenous musicians to work with, um, uh, work with uh, uh, you know, the, the members of RECAP, are Black and Hispanic. Um, So having a platform to have indigenous musicians work with black and Hispanic musicians, young up and coming musicians in a meaningful way, I think that's something that, um, you know, is gonna definitely be celebrated and something that we're really excited about.
0: Mm, fantastic. Thank you so much for that beautiful exposition of of a really um, immense, impactful project. I'm moved by the idea of that mission to elevate young performers to give them a stage without that conservatory training that that you all share as leaders and visionaries in this kind of work. I'd love to just go back a minute to Wild Shore to um, the the sort of root or sort of mother tree of Alaska from which Wild Shore is just a really important and meaningful um, you know vibrant structure that has um hooked Alaskan audiences into incredible music by emerging composers and um to thank Andy and Katie for the work that they're continuing to lead that began you know with Conrad Woodslow who also grew up in Homer um i'm i'm just sharing this um image right now of um you know wild shores uh um whoops there we go um you know a page on wild shore to kind of express to our viewers the scope of um you know this this immense work and and also to talk about Just briefly, Andy and Katie, what does it come back to for you? You have a connection that goes back a long time ago and it sort of reminds me of something that Joe just said, you know, young people before conservatory training getting passionate about music. And in, in what way does that directly relate to this project, this emergent project of which you are a part today?
1: Well, I mean, I could just jump in. Andy and I have known each other since we were eight. I mean, we met neighbors on on Marmon Hill Road in Fairbanks, you know. So, and it's it's a lot. Uh, her and her family um, really gave a lot to me and encouraged me to um, to do music and to take flute lessons and study with Dorothy McQuain, who a lot of people know and and love in the state. And so, you know, it, we've actually, we've been making music together in youth orchestra since we were little and at fine arts camp at UAF. So, so I think so much of what Andy and I and Conrad, you know, we, there's so much, we, we identify so much of growing up in Alaska and and what that community has given us and, and inspired us. And it's it's, it's really a, a deep part of of my identity and I know it is for, for Andy and Conrad. And um. I think that was a lot of the reason why we, we did come together and, and wanted to come back and start Wild Shore is that we wanted, we missed Alaska, we had all been away for quite some time, I mean, you know, after we left for college, and so it was a way for us to really return, and it has grown so much, I mean, I it's, I was just thinking about this before we started this conversation is, you know, how, where we were in our lives then and where we are now, and especially with COVID and everything it's really, it's kind of amazing to kind of see how it's grown and what we were thinking before we started this and now in this project and working with Joe um, and Chris with Found Sound Nation. I mean, these are, I feel so lucky that they wanna work with us. (laughs) I mean, they're just really inspiring what Joe is just an amazing percussionist but also an incredible educator and and, um, has done, I've watched his groups and his youth groups perform and it's just, it's very inspiring and I can't wait for um, people in Alaska to see that and, 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 and to see them meet people in Alaska and artists and musicians there and work together. And, and just, it's kind of like throwing them in a room and seeing what we can come up with. And Chris with Found Sound Nation, I mean, that a lot of what he's talking about with One Beat, this um, music festival they started, does a lot of that. You know, he has a, such a wonderful way of bringing these incredible musicians and people from all sorts of disciplines and pe- diversity across the globe and just, um, you know, it's it's almost more about the, you know, it's not just the music, it's also the relationships that we've developed along the way um, and these meaningful connections. And, and um, both Chris and Joe do that um, so much in their organizations and in their work. So, you know, I think this, and that's what this project really needs is is developing those connections and over a long period of time. And I, I think it, um, with, with COVID, you know, it was we were sad that we couldn't come up to Alaska, but we have kind of taken this time to really research and build relationships as we can over Zoom and meeting with Yari, um, you know, a couple times you know, bi-weekly as we've been doing. And so um, it, we're really in the beginning stages of this. So um, to go back, you were talking about is, is uh, with Wildshore. Um, yeah, I, um, it's just, it. I just, i I love to kind of look back and see where we started and where we've come Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and where we're we're gonna where we want to go
2: yeah Um, yeah andy is there anything you would add i'd love to um i'd like to of course echo everything that katie just said um 100 also just a quick side note for um you know already being in the zoom and seeing so many um familiar faces and names is such a gift but for those of uh For those of you who are tuning in and may not uh know katie and i and chris and joe i just for context katie and chris and i all live in new york city um and joe lives in new jersey so this is all coming from quite far away i yeah i would just say that just speaking about like why wild shore why there why homer um why alaska you know for me also personally it comes back to ideas of Identity, And as Katie mentioned, um, by the time Wild Shore was started, we had spent, both of us, uh, had spent quite a lot of time away from Alaska. I think there was a period of time where there were three years where I didn't actually go to Alaska, not once. And I've just always felt very... Deeply that as, since I left at 18 to go to college in the the lower 48 outside um, That two of the two of the hallmarks of my identity were Being a musician and being from Alaska Personally, I started to feel like They were at odds with each other. Why did it? Why did a why did pursuing a career in music seem to be bringing me farther and farther away from my home and from Alaska. And especially when it's such a huge part of who I am. And, you know, I I just thought there's got to be a way to bring it together because, you know, of all these experiences that we've, that young Alaskan musicians had, um, I, I really think that one of, for me, one of the turning points where I really decided I wanted to go into music was on an outreach tour with the arctic chamber orchestra which is a branch of the Fairbanks symphony orchestra and i was still in high school at the time i was very lucky to be included and we went and did this amazing outreach tour into very very tiny communities in alaska and canada and i'll just never ever forget the specific moment of playing we would we opened we were in Carcross, canada don't ask me to show it to you on a map because it's so small i don't even know if i, if I could find it again and we opened our program which was just going to be your standard classical music whatever we opened with the canadian national anthem and um the audience the small but mighty audience they just got to their feet and were weeping just openly crying had never heard um western classical instruments played live they had never heard their anthem their national anthem played live for them and it was just really powerful it was so powerful just the power of music um and also just the demonstration of all these unbelievable people in these communities that we never get to meet and part of what wild shores want you know our mission is to celebrate alaskan artists to celebrate the community to give back as katie's saying and this goes hand in hand with the beringia project as well just bringing helping to amplify voices Helping to bring attention to the incredible artists, incredible individuals, and who who live in our state or live on this land, because <laughs> lest we forget, it has only been a state for a, a very short time in history. Um, yeah, that's all I wanted to add. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you. Such
0: um, such good points and moving too to see and to hear about that long term commitment to connecting across. Um, political borders across geographic distances with, with the um, small and mighty um, circumpolar audiences. So let's talk about um, Beringia for a minute. And also let's talk about the Indigenous advisors who are so central to this project. Um, while we're talking about Beringia, um, what I love is a, is a project description from from one of you. And I'm going to click into my screen share again so that we can look at, can you all see this map of Beringia? Yeah? Good. Okay, great. I just just want to be able to look at this while we're talking about this project description, a project that's apparently funded by the National Park Service. That's where I found this map, by the way. I thought that rather interesting. Chris, you want to tell us a little bit about it?
3: Sure. Yes. Um so this is this is part of a a National Park National Park Service project uh, that funds work in this region. So, um when we first connected with the park's uh, department, uh, we were thrilled because they 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 funded a lot of um th- this program is I think almost Over 10 years old at this point, uh, I think almost twice that, and they've, you know, they've done an incredible amount of work in that area. But um, they, I think, they were excited about what we were presenting them, what Found Sound Nation was presenting them, because what we were proposing was something that, that had a lot of, um, you know, there were many deliverables, there were many things that we were uh, outputs that we shared with people, you know, uh, books, films, um, workshops. But I think the idea to make something that that really encapsulated the, as I was saying before, the uniqueness of this area and some of the the both scientific work that's happened, that's so incredibly important, not just to the region, but globally. Uh, We, you know, some of Dr. Springer's work, I think, and uh, many others, Um, but also some of the stories. I mean, they're incredible stories. Yari has regaled us with incredible stories and just an incredible perspective on the Earth and on what it means to be a human. On what it means to be from you know that place and how we're all connected to that place in a way so i think just finding a way finding a form really i think that's what we're we're really searching for now is finding a forms for sharing these beautiful uh, ideas with people and stories with people um so that i think that's the main gist of the project and and in that process we're going to connect with a, a lot of artists we're going to connect with you know, we've been, we've been working with Yari Walker. We've been working with Stephen Blanchett of Pumia, the amazing group up there based in Alaska. We've been working with Asi uh, Kaiderek, who is an incredible drummer and drum maker and leader of, of dances. And, uh, you know, some of which I've witnessed, we've traveled up to Nome to see some other incredible uh, drummers. So, yeah, so that that's, I think finding forms to share to share this uh, with the rest of the world is what really excites me, and getting to collaborate with, uh, as we've said before, with the amazing crew that we have—Joe, Andy, Katie—is just a extra perk, you know, an amazing perk an amazing part of this because they bring so much to it, and um, and it's it's just nice to work with. It's nice to work with colleagues and people you you love and think are great artists. So. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and um. Uh, one thing that sounds really exciting to me that you're, you're you've all been doing and building is this pretty phenomenal reading list, as I understand it. It's a whoops, did I just click myself into screen share by accident? I'm such a nut. OK, here I am. It's a phenomenal reading list you created in Google um, and it's you're structuring this with the advice of indigenous um, you know, artists and researchers and so forth, doctors. Um, Alan Springer, for example. I'd like to um to share that. I believe I've got it somewhere on my screen. I had it. whoops, I'll find it in a second and then then share it. Um, but let's talk a little bit about how you how you built this um, reading list and um, there it is. okay, I found it. Um,
3: well this I would just say quickly, you know this, this is inspired, for, at least for me, f- by a friend of ours, Adriel Lewis, who is uh, at the Smithsonian Museum. He's a curator and a friend. And I think when we, ha- when COVID happened, and um, you know this coronavirus just limited our ability to travel and meet in person, which is making these bridges is so important. Um, we decided there must be, you know, we were thinking there must be something. You know, we want to still pr- move the project forward and. You know after speaking with Adriel I think one of the things that he really stressed was due diligence you know and really doing research and reading and really making sure to leave time for that due diligence and that work and that uh, you know those perspectives and that uh, you know that has already been that has already been written that is out there to for that to sink in first and so we really took on that that kind of act and You know, Joe and Katie and Andy and Yari were all excited about the idea of like a reading group and a discussion group. And so that's just what we've been doing the last six months is, you know, sharing readings and reading them and discussing them as a group. And we really welcome like if people have, if people listening, if people, you know, on the call have other ideas um, for readings um in that area we really welcome that because we're trying to really cast a wide net and read as much as we can right now that's been written
0: that's great i'm going to try sharing the um reading list again i think here it is right now um and i don't know if you want to share this really widely with with our listeners but it this is a phenomenal um document and you know, if you would wouldn't mind, um, maybe Joe, anybody who would like to lead us, just kind of uh, give us a, a tour of this reading list. It's it it goes on for pages. But I see we start out with whales. Are you muted, Joe? Oh,
4: sorry. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> Well, um, yeah, so, so actually one of our most uh, recent readings was was about um, the bowhead bowheaded whale. And, um, you, you know, I, I think maybe maybe I want to take a step back first and, and, and say that in combination with the readings and speaking with people like Yari, um, you know, something that's been really eye opening about this project is um, learning directly from um, learning directly from people uh, from cultures from the people from those cultures, who are allowing us to talk to them, allowing us to read their readings, and, um, you know, in order to establish a deeper and more meaningful connection and collaboration, um, you know, I know, like, um, in in the there's been such a long standing practice um, in, in certain parts of like us as Westerners taking something from a place. And repurposing it or appropriating it, and most likely profiting from it. I mean, it, it's ingrained in in um, you know you know parts of Western culture. Um, in percussion, for instance, um, so many of the iconic pieces that I learned in high school and college have so many problematic components of like appropriating instruments from other cultures and not really taking the time to learn of this if this is right or wrong. Not not taking the time to like dive in deeper. So this process has been like really eye-opening um so you know just like as an example um we, we were uh researching about the inupiaq people and humpback whales and um you know i, I actually have this uh this quote ready um from the whitehead reading um which was a uh, modern inupiaq uh oops sorry <laughs> need to get back to that no problem. Um, modern inupiaq uh, whalers believe as they say their ancestors did that whales must be treated with respect and that the whale gives itself to a hunter who is deserving of the gift some captains say that the whale itself chooses the worthy captain that the whale gives itself others explain the whale as a gift from god so when i, I first read this i wasn't or when, when i was first tasked to read about Um, Humpback whales. I wasn't sure what kind of connections I would make that would resonate with me, but this was certainly one of them. And um, you know, it's like one of these many instances that I help, that I think is going to help guide us in further discussions. um, Which has been like, again, like I said, really, really eye opening. uh, You know, into sort of like diving in deeper and really understanding the culture, the people, the landscape um you know everything that has to offer um in order for us to make a more meaningful connection not to just take it and run with it into a different direction
0: mm. absolutely so i mean i'm i'm looking at this and there's there's probably 70 titles on this list and I, and I don't know if this is something that you want to share more broadly but it but it's an incredible document this um, this reading list and um, I really you know applaud you for for um, offering it it's and for creating it together for building your work on the basis of this kind of research Anybody else want to add in um, about uh, what you're reading now and um, how you are connecting to to sort of discuss and and build on um, this bigger project of Beringia,
2: based upon these readings? Um, I could just make a chime in just a little bit. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, w- I mean, I, g- I would like to thank Chris for really spearheading this document and rounding up uh, the majority of the initial articles and, and books and making them available to us. Um, you know, I think one thing that's been interesting, so right now, Um, We we started to notice some themes that were coming up. Um, One of the main ones, um, as Joe was mentioning, being whales. Um, And so we've been kind of prioritizing uh, reading about the cultural, well, uh, like the Hal Whitehead book, The Cultural Lives of Whales and Dolphins. We also just finished reading um, this wonderful interview slash memoir of Harry Brower, who was um, among many, many things, a whaler, um, in Utqiagvik and So it's it's been so interesting those two writings in particular. I think really also explore It's kind of the relationship and and I might even say bridge Which is also a little nod to the land bridge of Beringia that used to be there but a bridge between like, you know, the indigenous cultures and their relationship to Wales um, and modern Western science and its study of whales and how those two, I would say like entities either work together or don't, or, um, the similar, like the similarities in like different ways of saying the same thing, I guess I would say, which is really, really interesting. Um, so right now, yeah, we're focusing on, on reading about whales, but there's so much more to keep reading about and educating ourselves on. Um, I will also just, I won't go on, but I will add one little shout out to my dad, Dr. Springer. And it's been really such a special uh, gift for us to get to um, come together in this way on this project and have him as an advisor and an author of these papers. I used to think that the only thing that the arts and sciences had in common was that we had to live uh, on writing grants, but there's more than that. So
0: <laughs> That's really great. Um, Katie tell us um, about how you guys are sort of connecting to process some of these readings are you are you meeting on a monthly or a bi-weekly basis or how do you how are you um yeah
1: I, I, we're, we, we keep, I would say bi-weekly sometimes uh, once every three three weeks depending on schedule um, but I, I would connecting for me I mean what i really enjoyed about this is is coming together and and also reading these reading these readings and then discussing them with Yari and and that has been, you know, in some of these readings we've been, we've been reading are of Yari's visions and her and her stories and um, you know her energy is just it's it's really it's just, you know, I don't know, like it's, it's been, COVID has been so hard, you know, and I, I think I get so caught up in my, in, in the pain and, and suffering and, and of other people and, and, and my own thing. And it's so nice to come together with, and, and have these readings and read about and learn and then be with Yari and learn about Yari's experience and, and her, her talking about her visions. And, um, and that's been really meaningful um, for, for me. And, um, it also reminds me to kind of slow down and get outside my own head. And, and, um, so that, that has been really nice. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. It's a, it's a beautiful, um, comment on just how important books and connecting, you know, in zoom spaces and conversations, conversation spaces have been to sustaining, um, you know, individuals and communities in this time. Joe, would you um, talk a little bit more about um, something that you're reading or how you're connecting with with Yari that's having, and, and of course, also Stephen Blanchett and some of the other Indigenous um, advisors, that that's having, um, you know, an impact on you as as a maker of music. And you might need to unmute again there.
4: Uh, It it cut out a little bit, so I I didn't hear the uh, the end of the question.
0: (laughs) Uh, It was just um, I'm asking about the um, the ways that you're connecting with some of these indigenous advisors. Maybe talk a little bit, too, about Stephen Blanchett and and Aussie and, you know, um, the impact that it has on you to to be connecting with these creatives.
4: Well, well you know i i think one thing um one thing about connecting uh with with these artists and these writers is um you know it, it gives uh, like I, I think there's like a certain pressure that we feel as musicians where, you know, we have to like present these things and come up with these things and, and, uh, you, you know, that are being presented in sort of like a live audience thing or, or whatever kind of content it's going to be. And, but with, with the research in this, I mean, even, even through, even though we've been doing this for months and months and, and, um, you know, reading different books and articles and talking about it, like, We're no way experts about any of this and you know you know i I think i think a part of this is that you know we're not that's not really um like our jobs in this to to process that and and put it out to the world like we have that connection when we're sitting down um you know over zoom and and talking with people like yari they have like such incredible stories um to tell you know story story storytellers um you know you know through different mediums whether it's whether it's writing or or any type of like advocacy or projects that they've been doing, so I, I think more more than anything else, something that's been really um really inspiring about this um, whole process, and I think that's probably going to help shape this further is um sort of like just our role to sort of help amplify the stories that they already have to share, um right the you know so much of this is about um. Is about advocating um, what's happening in this region, um, educating people from other regions, and us helping facilitate that through um, through the stuff that 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 we've worked on before, and and so using our skill sets for that, but allowing them to sort of take the lead with um you know what the narrative of this project is.
0: Mm, thank you. Yeah. So. Returning to Chris, um, Chris, you mentioned coming to Alaska. That you've been here. You've been able to um, visit um, during the course of this project, and maybe you could tell us a little bit about um, a visitor visits that you've had, and how you think this project will unfold over the next um, couple years. Because it sounds like it's a it's a it's a big it's a great big bridge.
3: Well. I- I'm originally from New Mexico. And the two times that I've visited have been in the dead of winter. Great. <laughs> so, right. so, you know, that's, that's a big adjustment for me. Um, but no, I mean, they, they've they been amazing. Uh, now, I just want to echo what Joe said, I think, like, this is about building relationships and this is about, um, you know, really making the, those connections. And I, and that's always the best part of this work is getting to having an opportunity to collaborate with people and hear their stories and find a way of, you know, facilitating artwork, making artwork together. I think that's what we have made our, you know, sort of, that's what we dedicated much of our life and our artistry to doing. So that that has been great. We haven't, we had a bunch of, there were there were a bunch of plans this last year for um, several of the artists coming to New York, uh, several, uh, you know, our team going there and filming a few things. Uh, and uh, traveling up north, but those have been all put on hold, so we'll have to see what is possible in the next year, I think. Um, but I, I guess I just want to say again, if, to look at the silver lining of this um, the situation we find ourselves in a little bit, really I think often when, when we're working on a creating something or fi- using our art or using this these experiences to find to just get at truth, you know is what artists can give to the world in, in a way or like reveal truth or share, help share truth, facilitate truth like I, that that's a value we have as artists. And I think often we're forced to work, like we're forced to even with these grants and these commissions, like do that. You got five months, you got six months, do it, do it, do it, do it. You know, the stats, the thing. So having an opportunity now to really do what we I, I think should do in every in, in any case, and, and really really dig in deeply on on you know this research, I think has been really an incredible opportunity for us because it's given us a much longer period in which to really immerse and figure out how to do exactly what Joe is saying is like facilitate the sharing of these beautiful already, you know, incredible stories and perspectives. So, yeah.
0: Mm. That's fantastic. I'm excited that, you know, over the next couple of years as your work, you know, in collaboration um unfolds, we can reconvene again. We could bring in Yari Tule Walker, we could bring in Stephen Blanchett, we can bring in Asi and others who may become more involved, maybe some of the writers or researchers, as you wish. That's a really important part of this forum that we're offering here through Banel. And also to that would our be listeners. Great. Yeah, absolutely. That would we'll be do fantastic. that. As we're kind of winding yeah, yeah, up yeah,
3: this we will invite you.
0: Yeah, okay. <laughs> as <laughs> <Whoever> as a wants to come. As we're winding up this hour, I just want to, you know, um, acknowledge our, our listeners from across Alaska and beyond um, to say, you know, if you've got questions for our featured guests today, we'd, we'd sure love to um, offer you this this forum. Um, and, um, you know, if not, if there's um, comments from from our other Featured guests, you know, in response to these um, ideas that Chris has just shared, they're more than welcome. You're you're all more than welcome to speak up. Well, if we don't have any big questions right now. We will look forward to our um, next gathering of this um, of this group um, around. Uh, around Beringia and continue to build this bridge. Thank you so much to um, Katie Cox and Andy Tanning from Wild Shore, Joe Bergen from Mantra um, Percussion, Mantra Youth, and Chris Marinetti from Found Sound Nation. You guys are doing incredible work out there and, and it's it's really exciting to see how deeply and completely um, you are sinking into this work during this time and we look forward to to supporting it and hearing more about it as it develops.
3: Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm.
4: Thank you.
2: Yeah, and I'm sorry, I had trouble unmuting. But I, we can't end this without a huge, huge thank you to Asia Freeman and Bunnell Street Art Center for being such an inspiration and a pillar of support um, of Wildshore from the very first day. And we couldn't have done any of this without you. And also a huge thank you to the to the community in Homer, and again all of all of our friends who joined us today. Um, shout out to Don and Carol Mears. Thank you for all you do. Um, again, none of this is possible without all of you. So thank you so much. You're here. Thanks, everybody.